Got This, a podcast about teaching and learning and sustaining community for everyone at Thompson Rivers University. I'm your host, Brenna Clark Gray, Coordinator of Educational Technologies, and this podcast is a project of your friends over at Learning Technology and Innovation. We're housed within open learning, but we support the whole campus community. I record this podcast in Tecumloops Te Suetmuk within the unceded traditional lands of Suetmukulu, where I hope to learn and grow in community with all of you. Today, I'm thinking about play and joy. And I'm thinking about these things even when I don't always feel playful and joyful because I'm thinking about how we access that energy and bring it into our classrooms. Let's get into it. So first of all, I have to tell you, I am still adjusting to this working on campus, working at home thing. I'm recording this audio essay for the second time. I recorded it on campus on Tuesday when I was in my office. Um, But between the massive amount of background noise and traffic and people walking in the hallway, uh, I decided to re-record it just to save you all of that. It's funny, isn't it? This transition we're going through. I don't love being back on campus. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing people, but my anxiety is definitely ever present and I can tell I'm not 100% myself. I think that anxiety uncertainty. These things are going to be with us for a while, and they're teaming up with our good friends' exhaustion and burnout to cause some trouble, I think. For me, I know that I'm struggling when I have a difficult time accessing feelings of playfulness and joy in my work. One of the best things about my job is I get to play with cool tools and toys all the time and I get to show them to you and I get to see the fun things you do with them. It was great on Tuesday because we started our Let's Play series. I'll link to that down in the show notes. Um, And Brian and I were making animated GIFs and memes with a group of attendees and it was super fun. I'll link to the results from the workshop so you can see what we got up to. I love that aspect of my job, but it was particularly good for me this week to remember that I do, and particularly to remember it on a day when I was on campus. I'm sort of two or three days on, two or three days off, depending on the week. And most of the time, it's a good balance for me, but it was good to remember that I can actually have tons of fun on campus, too. I'm thinking about this not just because I'm having difficulty accessing playfulness and joy, but because I think some of our students are too. Anxieties are high and we don't really know what life experiences often our students are bringing to the class that might make them feel a little more vulnerable right now. I was talking with a student today, it's Thursday when I'm re-recording this essay, um, and she has family close family in Alberta. They just declared a new state of emergency last night and she's feeling very disconnected and far away from her family and worried for them. Those feelings, they can't help but be coming to class, you know? We come to class with our whole selves and our whole bodies. I'm advocating for playfulness and joy this week not to ignore the reality of what our students are going through. You probably know me well enough by now to know that I would never recommend that. But to just be mindful 
of the role that our affective selves can play in the version of ourselves that we bring to class. And if there's a way you can help your students access joy in their subject material, I think it's probably a good time to tap into that. Speaking of joy and play, I think you're going to enjoy our interview today with Lindsay Blackstock. Uh, Lindsay teaches in the chemistry department here at TRU, and she's got a lot of energy. She's an absolute delight. But listening to her, you can see how play and joy are central to the work that she does here at TRU. I think you're going to enjoy this one, but I'll let Lindsay take it from here. Okay, I am here today with Lindsay Blackstock. Lindsay, would you introduce yourself and let people know where they might have seen you around TRU? If at all, you're kind of a new arrival, sort of. Thank you so much, Brenna, for having me on. I am really familiar with campus in terms of in a capacity as a professor. I am newer here last year, 2020 in the fall was my first time ever teaching as a university professor. And before that, I actually was a student at TRU. So TRU is very close to my heart. And I was a student here from 2009 till 2014. Other places maybe you might have seen is I did an Instagram takeover last year with TRU's Instagram page. And I have an Instagram page as well, Chem With Me, if you're interested I love in that. following along. <laughs> it's my goal to be more involved with my Instagram and community outreach this year. Chem With Me because you teach chemistry. chemistry. Yes. Yeah, learn yes. some chemistry with me. <laughs> Come with me, learn chemistry. However, like which it. way you want to put it together. I like all the rhyming. This is good. Um, yeah, I think maybe of all the people I spent a lot of time working with last year, no one sort of scaled a larger mountain than you, Lindsay. You got thrown into the experience of basically managing all of the first year chemistry labs, right? Pretty much last year, fully online. That is correct. It was a massive undertaking, Brenna, and I wouldn't <laughs> be here this year without the help of you and everyone else on the Moodle support team, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a big job because not only did you have to like learn the tools, but you guys as a department and really as a, the faculty of science as a whole, you really had to reconceptualize the idea of how labs worked to make them work in a fully online context. Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Sure. So what ended up happening last year going into the fall semester as we were in the middle of the pandemic, there was a decision made that the first year chemistry labs would be delivered online. Traditionally, they're face to face. Students are getting their hands in there, hands on the glassware, doing the experiments, collecting their own data. But because of the sheer number of first year students, there's over 300 typically each year, that there was no way to effectively deliver that number of labs in a safe way. So we did move them online. And that was one of the biggest challenges of my life, I think. Can you tell us a little bit about what kinds of activities students were doing online versus what they might have done face to face? Sure. So if you can imagine, we historically had 
maybe eight different experiments that students would come into the lab and do. And the students would come in, they'd have their lab manual and they would follow a procedure. They would do some simple experiment, collect data, and then they would analyze that data or do some calculations with it and complete a lab report. Then they would hand that in for the next week. And what I needed to do was find a way to deliver those students the same learning outcomes without actually being there in person. So that Mm. included a lot of me doing the experiments and filming myself during the day and then editing those videos and coming up with fake data sets and and uh, coming up with different Moodle activities like H5P tour activities or different Moodle quizzes or all sorts of different things to try to give students that tangible experience because when students are just given numbers and they're expected to work with those numbers and find meaning from that data, it's a huge disconnect for those students that haven't been in the lab and know where those numbers came from. How are you feeling about those students moving into second year and now really getting hands-on, I would presume, with with the science-y things? My degrees are in English, Lindsay. I have no idea what most of the stuff you talk hey, about is. Hey, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about English either, <laughs> except for what sounds right when I read it back to myself on the page. It's gotten me this far. You know, that's not a bad, that's not a bad way of doing things. It's the number one way I recommend. But anyway, um, do you have any worries about those? Yeah, about those students. Yeah, I can talk about all my personal academic deficiencies <laughs> to make everyone else feel comfortable. But for those students, it, it is a conversation that we had in the chemistry faculty. And because chemistry first year, it touches a lot of different degree programs in the Bachelor of Science. So Mm. you might have to take chemistry for a biology degree or natural resource sciences or all of these different streams you might be going down. So what we try to do is ensure that the key learning outcomes, that concept that the student was still able to take away that main message from the labs. Now, students that are continuing on in Bachelor of Science, like in biology or chemistry, and have to take that core organic chemistry course, which is in second year, Mm. the organic chemistry coordinator, Christina, she is ensuring that there's going to be a lot more emphasis on these fundamental laboratory techniques that are going to be incorporated into this year's second year organic chemistry cohort. So we're trying to make sure that any of those students that are continuing on and doing any sort of chemistry labs, we are giving them additional support and training in this year. Oh, cool. Well, that makes sense. I was going to say, it sounds like you're doing that really organically. Huh? Oh, huh? well, you yeah. know, we, yeah, organically. <laughs> I like, I like that. I like yeah. the pun. Is it yeah. a pun? Would that be a that, pun? Yeah, I feel like that's a pun. Is it? See, again, here's my lack of English <laughs> skills, Brenna. You can teach me a lesson. I, I want to ask you a little bit about the experience of teaching in a fully online way last year, you had this sort of unique position of being new to the institution and new to the very idea of being a full-time university professor. And you kind of got thrown into what we can lovingly refer to as mess. Um, (laughs) What was that like for you? What was that experience like? Interestingly enough, I can't, TRU, so for a bit of background, Thompson Rivers University, I have been laser focused on coming to TRU, 
throughout my entire PhD program. I have dreamed to come here and I'm so proud and grateful to now have a tenure track position here. And the reason why I wanted to join TRU is because it's student focused and I felt like there would be a really nice work-life balance ha, 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 <laughs> coming to an institution like TRU that is student-centered. Oh, yeah. And I actually had a very intense PhD program and I took a maternity leave through my PhD program and I thought, wow, there's no way I can work harder than I did through my grad school. But yet we came here in September, right? In the fall. And it was the most work I've ever put into something in my entire life. And I feel like nothing except for finishing a PhD with a newborn baby in the middle of a pandemic, nothing could have prepared me better for this experience. <laughs> it is so funny to hear you say that because when I started here in August of 2019, I had been teaching at a community college for nine years and I had been teaching a 4-4 load for, for nine years and I was pretty burnt out and I had come back from my maternity leave and was like, I don't know, I was marking papers at like two in the morning. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I've got this kiddo. I love teaching. I love being in the classroom, but I'm, you know, a zombie around my own kid because I've got no time because I'm marking English papers till two in the morning and that was a big motivator for me in moving over to faculty support because it was like big, you know, sort of nine to five y good work-life balance, get a lot done during the day, but don't need to take a lot home. Um, and that lasted for seven months. And <laughs> I honestly, as soon as you started talking, I had the biggest like grin in a weird commiserative way. <laughs> Just thinking, oh, wow, you thought you were going to get some sort of reprieve and you joined the Moodle support team, Brenna. Yeah. It's been such an intense year for everyone. And like our students have had an intense and dramatic year and our families have had these intense and dramatic years. But there's something particularly about being at the center of the storm last year and, and the ways in which we all kind of flailed our way through it I guess it's um it's a pretty unique experience I'm not going to say like I'm glad I had it but it's definitely unique well it <laughs> one thing at least and maybe I'm putting the cart in front of the horse a little bit is it brings me to my positive mantras mm, and, and getting through getting through this year it's it's something like Nelson Mandela. It always feels impossible until it's done. That mm -hmm. is the positive thinking quote I introduced all my first year students to the semester with. And, and definitely if I had, if I can look back at everything that I had to accomplish, and I'm sure for you as well, if you look back at the sheer amount of work that had to be done last year, it truly would feel impossible. And I don't know if I could do it again. It definitely felt impossible until we got through to the other side. But look, we made it. And on top of everything else, you also uh, successfully competed for a tenure track position in the chemistry department here, right? Like in the middle yes. of all of that, you also accomplished that this summer. Absolutely. I, it's one of the greatest, proudest things I, I've done. I feel so proud. I feel extremely grateful because I know how scarce the amount of tenure track mm -hmm. positions are, especially 
for anybody that has their doctorate. So it there was kind of like a twofold situation happening last year where I didn't know that that job would be posted, but I was so set on being a professor here at TRU. It, it's truly been my dream. So I thought, wow, this is all or nothing. I am going to throw myself at the wall for this. And I, at least my personal philosophy in, in my personality type is that you can do anything as long as you put the effort in. And I just felt like, well, if nothing else, I will put in more hours and I will sleep less. And if anybody's going to try hard, it's going to be me. So I just felt like I will put in every spare second of the day towards it. And somehow we got through. Well, I was thrilled to bits when I heard you had gotten the gig, Lindsay, because I really enjoy working with you. And I was really impressed by the work you accomplished last year because it was massive. Thanks. <laughs> Um, let's turn then, uh, newly, newly officially tenure track human, um, that you are now let's turn and think a little bit about this year. So I guess my first question is you've been back in the classroom for like a week ish. How's it going? It has been really great so far. So one thing for sure last year that kept me going was student feedback. Now, granted, right, there was the good with the bad. There was students <laughs> that were not happy and they were so unhappy they would tell you mm -hmm. very clearly. But you know what? That, that's understandable. You take it with a grain of salt because everybody's in a hard position. But the amount of positive messages that I got from students last year really felt like the time and effort I was putting into it was worth it. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited because I have a very distinct, say the least, like performative, enthusiastic personality. <laughs> and I just couldn't It doesn't wait. come through at all. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're being a bit sarcastic, maybe, Brenna. <laughs> but like, for example, when I would film my videos in my office, I would, I would always include my webcam on and I'd be trying to do things. And I talk with my hands. I'm very, again, performative. And Sometimes I really struggled. I felt like I really just can't get across what I'm trying to say. So I got so excited for this year. And it has been really fruitful in terms of even in the first two days, I've had um, over five students come to me and just thank me for having an engaging class and Aww. that they really enjoyed my class. And a lot of them, it was their first class ever in university at mm -hmm. all. So I really have been trying to put a lot of effort into prepping my lectures so that they can be really dynamic and have like different bits of health and wellness, like sharing, I do a positive quote of the week. So I've done two of those so far and uh, we'll see. So, so far it's been great. My first class, I was very nervous. I was shaking and I was sweating and I was telling the students with transparency that this is my first class ever teaching humans <laughs> with blood flowing through their veins in my immediate vicinity. So I think that they probably appreciated that I was honest with them and, mm -hmm. and they, they felt nervous too. And it was nice that we kind of went through that first day together. Oh, I like that. Is there anything, I mean, despite the modality being so different, is there anything that you learned last year that you're carrying forward with you into this new frontier? 
lots of things. Well, first, I guess the first one is how effective it can be to do a voiceover screen capture to explain mm-hmm. a concept. Like if mm-hmm. a student has a question through email and it would take so long to type it out, you could just do a little screen record video and you can bring up the lecture slide or you can, for me, I have a stylus and a little um, uh, artwork digital pad. I don't know what they're called, but, and so I can do a little mini five minutes lecture, post it to everybody and we can Mm -hmm. all share. And it's a really effective use of time. And then all students get to benefit from the same question. So that's definitely something that I think maybe before last year being thrown into being so tech savvy, that's something that maybe I would have felt was a much more arduous task than it Mm -hmm. actually is and it's a big Mm -hmm. time saver no I just I do that on Moodle support all the time like I'll start to type a response to someone and I'm like "Mm, you know what and just fire up loom and walk them through the steps and it's a minute and a half long and they get it all in one go and they can watch it again you know they can go over it a couple times and it's uh it's amazing how much a part of my regular workflow that has become um and I don't think it would have before last year for sure absolutely I'm 100% agree The other thing that I am carrying forward, I guess, um, so this will carry on, I guess, my mantra for this year, as I I mentioned, I'm very into mantras and positive (laughs) thinking. Um, My mantra for the year, this year is less is enough. Mm. Um, Because I am a more is more person and more is more just leads you to more burnout and sometimes less is enough. And it, there's kind of diminishing returns sometimes when you stay up. I'm a perfectionist. And sometimes spending that extra time to really perfect something isn't going to take the students further. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. is one major thing. So less is enough. And that kind of translates into my ensuring not to underestimate the time it takes to administrate things. Oh yeah. You learned that the hard way last year. Yeah. On Moodle (laughs) and things. So especially this semester coming back, needing to accommodate students that are being at home. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's this really interesting. I was kind of of two minds. You you don't want to penalize students that are staying home because they're quarantining or they're unwell and they are trying to be a good community member and not spread their illness. So you don't want to penalize those students. You don't want it to be a detriment to them that they haven't come to the class. But also it's not feasible to do dual delivery of recording lectures or mm-hmm. administrating to these students. Like if a student emails me and they say, oh, I missed the lecture. Like, it's just not possible for me to go in and restrict access for them to see one lecture. So I really thought long and hard about how I would do this because with two sections of first year chemistry, I have 140 students. So if I'm accommodating students being at home, there's essentially not going to be any time through the whole semester that all the students are there. So Mm -hmm. I decided Mm -hmm. to do dual delivery through the big blue button. Okay. So I have went full force into big blue button this semester, and I am very, very happy about it. 
Oh, this makes me, I was a little scared, heart in my throat a little bit when people oh, started talking about Big Blue I Button, but I'm really happy. That's really good. I've <laughs> been loving the Big Blue Button specifically Yay. due to its minimal administration requirements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it because I am advertising my Big Blue Button as a broadcast. Mm -hmm. I am not advertising it as a virtual classroom because it's not possible for me to check in on that big blue button class as I'm no, lecturing. No. But what I do do is I start a big blue button and then I get the room going. And for whatever reason, in the room that I'm in, in the science building, the little microphone on that tiny little webcam just doesn't want to connect. So I hook up my wired headphones and I string them around my neck and I'm kind of attached to the computer, but I share my screen, I get my audio going and I have the webcam going and that's enough for the students to be able to tune in and they don't miss out on anything. And I do, mm -hmm. I don't do any notes on the whiteboard. I do all my notes on the screen. And so far it's been great. And because I have two sections, I'm teaching the same course twice. This last week, there's been several technological hiccups with me. Like, for example, I didn't notice that the webcam audio wasn't working. So I blindly trusted it and there was no audio. And then another time, oh, I got my headphones working, but then I muted my headphones from the little <laughs> um, toggle control on the wire. I didn't mute it on my big blue button screen, but I had muted it on my headset. So I was really, I am lucky because I teach two sections, the same class each day that I can very simply import my recording mm -hmm. from the other class. And I'm just telling the students, look, you have thinking capable minds. I shouldn't need to change the name of this recording. You can just sort by the date and find it yourself. So it's very much a I record everything. I don't think too much about it. And it's still quite low maintenance for me to maintain. So I'm very happy with the system I've figured out. I love this for a couple of reasons. The first is that you set expectations with students. Like this is a broadcast to help you keep up when you have to be home. It's not a replacement for being in class. It doesn't have the sort of question and answer component. That's something that happens in class, but you can follow up in office hours if you have questions, right? And yeah, it's it's there, the dates on it, you can figure it out. I love both of those pieces, right? The expectations are really clear for students. So often, one of the things that we hear a lot in our office is that students have these really high expectations of what's going to be available to them. But I find that that is often sort of a, a spin-off of them not having enough information. If they know where you're coming from and what you're able to offer and what your expectations are, they're pretty happy to just have those parameters in place and work with them, in my experience. I agree. And I think another thing that I learned as well is not to lower the bar for students because mm. I think the students, especially if they're coming from high school, we don't know what their high school was like. And some students in high school, maybe they had a lot of support from their in their teacher and maybe they their teacher really helped them out more than they maybe needed to. So it's left these students without the skills to look for the information themselves. And as the instructor, or the professor, you know the information. It's so easy for you to just answer their email. But 
what I'm learning this year is to spend the extra two minutes to, instead of telling them the answer, showing them where to find it Mm -hmm. so that they then can figure it out for themselves later rather than them just coming back to me the next time for a really fast answer. And I find that making the students work a little bit more for a piece of information that's very clearly listed in the course outline, it it helps me out in the future. I'm helping out my future Lindsay self by having those students have the skills to check the course outline first, as Mm -hmm. an example. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And it also sets, again, you're setting the expectation, right? You're setting the expectation of what students should be doing. Like they go to check the syllabus before they send you an email, right? That's a great workflow for any student who has a question in a course. Um, And it's a workflow that will be consistent for them across their courses if, if they get into the habit of it in first year chemistry. So it makes a lot of sense for their own university careers as well. This has been great. You're very inspiring. You get me really uh, excited about being here. And I'm, I don't always feel that way these days. Um, oh, so I appreciate that. It's I will always no. cheerlead your life. I, <laughs> that's my biggest thing. Like I love to be a cheerleader. Like I am so optimistic and enthusiastic. A lot of times like it actually annoys my husband because <laughs> he is not that way. And like I... I love to get excited for people. And I like, if I believed in myself even more, like I would be a motivational speaker. Like I, I believe in it so much, but it's like, it's actually this great thing because wow, in teaching first year chemistry, I kind of do get to be a motivational speaker because I can tell students, you can do it. You're capable of doing these chemistry calculations. Let's break it down. Let's make you feel capable, right? Like that, that's how I, I want students to leave my class feeling like, wow, this really makes sense. And, and I, chemistry is not nearly as bad as I thought, right? It's always about just finding the way that inspires the students to pay attention or coming up with a mnemonic that they won't forget. And I am happy to make myself the butt of the joke for the benefit of the students. <laughs> I love this. I love this. Um, We're getting just towards the end of our time together. Is there anything else you want to share with listeners about your teaching and learning experiences so far or your hopes for this year or any any other positive affirmations you want to leave us with before we go? Sure. Um, (laughs) Well, at least for me, uh, I really care about student experience because I've been a student my whole life. I still cringily feel like I could be one of the students in my classroom. Like it doesn't feel that far away. Mm. So I want the students to have a really great experience and effective teaching is really important to me. And I really value at the University of Alberta because I had set my sights on coming to TRU. I took it upon myself to do the graduate teaching and learning courses. So There was several different levels that I took of that teaching training and joining TRU here. I take a lot of courses with CELT or the CELT Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning. And I find that their courses are so helpful and they provide a really great foundation. And as well as definitely like just just taking advantage of the resources that are at TRU. And I find that um, for a faculty, a new faculty member, it's not always clear how many resources you really have at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And remembering that because TRU is a small university, that 
it really is a human being on the other end and it's somebody that you can talk to and that really probably wants to help. So reaching out, like, like I can't say, I, Brenna, you know how much I spent <laughs> in Moodle support, how much time. So I like, I'm chat lots. It was great. Exactly. I'm, I'm happy. Like I like to throw myself into all sorts of different types of education. And I feel like if it wasn't for being really open-minded and having a really low ego, as much as I love to teach, I acknowledge that I'm very early in my teaching career and that there's so much for me to learn. So I am always trying to find mentors and trying to uh, take classes and do all sorts of things, get feedback surveys from my students, all trying to improve my teaching. So that is kind of, long-term, I want to be really great professor that is my goal oh Lindsay, this was great you're such a delight oh thanks brenna you too <laughs> you're like my e-bestie <laughs> yeah we've never actually met in real life i it's know so strange. i know well soon soon very soon <laughs> well thank you so much brenna i'm always happy to chat with you and i guess also if somebody made it this far into this interview you can always <laughs> google pee in pools and you can check out some of the weird and wacky research that I did during my PhD and if you like Mark Rober I did a video with him on YouTube too so if you're ever curious about pee in pools or artificial sweeteners you can come email me or knock on my office door I'm always happy to talk about that too when Lindsay told me about the time she went viral repeat in pools I I spent like three days reading articles so just oh, really yeah, totally. Oh it was fascinating. Goodness. And also it made me grossed out about pools. No, no, no. We have to have a follow-up conversation then. It's all about the relative I, risk and the perception I of know. risk. I know. It wasn't really, I know that wasn't your take-home message, but. I know. But that was media's <laughs> take-home message. And that's why we have to be critical thinkers and critical readers of the media because the media is lazy. That that's, is what I learned in that experience. That's true. Someday I want to talk to you about your viral experience. I think that would be fun. Absolutely. I'd love to anytime, Brenna. <laughs> right on. Take care, Lindsay. Thanks for your time today. Have a great day. So that is it for season two, episode three of You Got This. As always, if you want to write to us, you can email me. I'm bgray at tru.ca. And I'm also on Twitter at Brenna C. Gray. And in both cases, that's gray with an A. All of our show notes and transcripts are posted at yougotthis.truebox.ca, and of course, you can always comment on individual episodes there. I'm going to leave you today with a tiny teaching tip. My tiny teaching tip this week is to bring that joy and levity and playfulness to your classroom this week, if you can. You can see how Lindsay does it. I think that if you've got a funny YouTube clip that relates to your subject matter, uh, maybe you teach English and there's a great Simpsons clip about a text you're looking at. Maybe you teach something in the sciences and you can bust out some very retro Bill Nye to share with your students. Maybe there's an activity or a game you can play. Maybe you ask students to explain a concept or review a text using memes or GIFs. Whatever it is, I hope you can find a little place to let your students blow off some academic steam this week. We're early in the semester for it to feel this uncertain across campus. And I think just being mindful of the way our students are feeling and helping them to access 
the joy that we have in our subject matter, it's a good moment. Until next time, I'm working on my own joyfulness and playfulness. I hope you are too. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.